Could you give me a, a little level here? <laughs> that's not helpful. <laughs> hello. Hello. Okay, that's perfect. And hello indeed. How's well, it going? Hello, my name is Micah McCaw. <laughs> my name is Jordan McCaw. This is the Macaw Podcast universe. It, it certainly is. And it exists to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. Yes. And we are currently covering... Oh. Well, today we're covering a sequel. We are covering the, the first sequel in our first series of 2024, which is the Oceans series. And we're covering the 2004 Oceans 12. Only 2004, huh? I know. Kind of weird, huh? Yeah. This movie is 20 years old this year. Wow. Of of not of this recording, Everyone's but of cell the... phones were all so teeny tiny. Yes, um, and this one is an interesting one. We'll we'll get into a little bit about the kind of legacy of the movie that I find kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was your experience with this movie? I don't know. I don't remember the first time I saw this movie, but I like it. I probably well, if I th- really think about it, I bet I watched it when you gave me that stack of movies to watch. Right, when we... Way, way, way long ago. Yeah. And I probably watched it around there. Okay. Uh, so you didn't, like, grow up watching this movie or anything like that? Unless it was on TV. Okay. Because I think, I think for me, I, I don't remember the first time I watched it, like, Ocean's Eleven, but I I feel like Ocean's Eleven came out, and then I eventually watched it. You know, we determined in probably sixth grade... That's what we determined last episode. See our, our our entirely exciting moment where we try and piece that together. How mm-hmm. old I was when I saw it, uh, and then and then I I would imagine at some point my dad just bought like the ones that were available because he liked Ocean's Eleven mm-hmm. and I don't think he'd seen Twelve mm-hmm. or maybe he rented it. I don't know, but it would have been out by the time we uh, by the time I saw the first one. So yeah. then I saw it. I liked it, watched it over and over and over again, loved it. And, uh, and now we're here in 2024. And now we're here, watched it again, loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Should we talk about how it was made, though? Sure. All right. So, this movie is, of course, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Um, you know what I forgot to do, which I would like to do, is fill in the gaps of what he did in between... The first movie is 2002? The first movie is 2001. Okay. So, let me scroll on down. He has far too many movies. Yeah, he, he's got a lot. So, his follow-up to 2001 was a movie called Full Frontal, which I believe is... They show Full Frontal. ...a sequel to his first movie, Sex, Lies, and Videotapes. Oh, there and totally it, is Full Frontal in that. <laughs> it has a 4.7, <laughs> so it's probably not very good. Then he makes uh, Solaris, starring George Clooney. Hey, what is Solaris? So Solaris, this is a remake of the the movie by Andre Andre Tarkovsky. Solaris, which is a classic movie, and it's a Russian film. So what is it? Uh, oh, uh, a psychologist is sent to a station orbiting a distant planet in order to discover what has caused the crew to go insane. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I bet the original is super cool. Well, and I also found out that there is a TV movie called Solaris from 1968 that predates even the Russian one. That is the same thing? Uh, yes, it is It is classified as that. Um, so then, yeah, it was remade as 
Solaris, two hours and 47 minutes. For the TV one? For the the, For the Russian, yeah. the Tarkovsky one. And then the, the Soderbergh one is one hour and 39 minutes. Hmm. But funny enough, the Soderbergh one has, it doesn't have as high of a meta score, but it has a high meta score. Okay. So. It's just that guy's so visually stunning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he, he, well, from the one movie I've seen, he really sits in it. Yeah. Yes, he sits in it. All right. Yes, and he Micah does. did not care for Stalker very much. I loved it. I know. And I felt, it, it always feels bad when there's a classic, like, quote, film movie, you know, that, that you just don't connect with. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I, I just, it just didn't, it never captured me. I think it hit me at the right time. Yeah. You know? But, but I mean, there's no disputing that every shot is like, like unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a gorgeous movie. So, you know, I appreciate, I appreciated the technicality of the movie mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah. So then he makes a movie called Eros, which I don't know what that is. And then he makes Ocean's 12 in 2004. Um, yeah. So this, mo- this movie is not written by the previous guy, which is Ted Griffith. Or Griffin, I think. Um, I can't remember if it's Griffith or Griffin. Um, and so I was kind of like, oh, I wonder how that happened. Well, here's what happened. Uh, one of the producers, Jerry, Jer- Jerry Weintraub, he got a script called Honor Among Thieves. And he showed it to Steven Soderbergh. And Soderbergh was like, we could just rework this and this could be Ocean's 12. So that's how this movie was made. That's so, so there was no um, plan yeah. to do a sequel. Which I feel like uh, helps. Yeah. Um, I, I guess a lot of people would disagree with me. Cause well, it's... that's interesting, though, because it, it is. it feels like just stars aligned, because <laughs> literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, because this movie, did, it's not that long in between both movies. Like, it's, it's a normal amount of, like, let's yeah. say that they already were in the production for the next one. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess he just... It was, it was, it seems... Maybe he was kind of thinking about it, kind of open to it, and then this opportunity came up around the same time. Well, well, I wonder, like, like you're saying, um, it seems like the shooting of these movies is basically the most fun that any of these guys ever have on set. Yeah. And they're all just, like, hanging out buds. Yeah. So you have this great experience, and then you get a, a high script, and you're like, let's just get the gang back together and have fun again, and go to, uh, Chex Notes... Lake Como, where George Clooney has a house <laughs> yeah. that they shot at. Yes. Can you and believe then, that that is... His, I mean, I'm sure, like, not everything that was shot there, like, interiors and stuff, but even the outside balcony. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's his house, and uh, you know what else? They lived there while they shot the movie. The the crew, or the cast. Julia Roberts was on uh, Colbert, and she said that. Um, so it was like, uh, the Ocean's 12 people were all living in George Clooney's mansion, like, hanging out, having fun. So that'd be pretty cool to just be living on Lake Como. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what else we got here? So th- so the movie is written by George Nolfi, and he will write Born Ultimatum. Okay. Obviously not the book, but the adaption, um, which at some point we're going to talk about those movies. Rewatching these makes me want to watch the Born movies pretty bad because it was like... Do you have more about Matt Damon at the time with this? No. Because I saw a couple things, and two, I saw two different things that were confl- that conflicted each other, and I'm curious which one is it. Oh, I have no idea. The what. first one sounds stupid, so okay. I think it's the other one. But like Matt Damon was also working on Born, 
during this or yeah. in between, whatever, and was hoping to not have as big of a role in this movie because of how much he's worked, been working. Okay. Um, And kind of was hoping to have a smaller role and kind of asking for it and was like, no, because you're like character wise, it just is not, doesn't work. Yeah. Um, But then I saw something conflicting that. Uh, that was something like, like he wanted a bigger role or not. I don't think it was something he wanted a bigger role, but I just found like two yeah. things that contrasted each other. And I'm curious which one was true. Not, not that a person can't change, but yeah. judging by the fact that this year he had an interview where he said he was talking to his wife about how he needed to take like a small break from acting because yeah. he's a workaholic. Yeah. Uh, but then Christopher Nolan called him. And so, or, Oh, or, that's right. Or not this year, but whatever year yeah. they shot Oppenheimer. And he was like, well, it's Christopher Nolan. And she was like, all right, fine. <laughs> uh, Hopefully he takes a break now. Yeah. Well, and, and I think his break is not like, I'm retired, but like, okay, instead of shooting two movies this year, I'm going to shoot one. You know, yeah. that sort of thing. So, Judd, if you know, this was 20 years ago, but that makes me feel like he probably was like, oh, cool. I can be in Bourne and I can be in Oceans. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He's, um, he's young. But it would be it is kind of a funny in joke if he wanted a lower role and his character is literally yeah. asking for a bigger role. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um but yeah, so this guy George Nolfi, he uh he also directed and wrote The Adjustment Bureau. Okay. Did you ever watch that? I we watched it in Gritter's class. No, we watched part of it in Gritter's class. Okay, I remember watching all of it. Not in my class. We just watched a section. I think we watched all of it. I don't think so. Uh so and I remember liking it. I don't I don't know that it would hold up. Okay. I remember there's a lot of business with his tie in that movie. Like he's doing a speech and he's like he's like, you know, they want me to do all this stuff and they want me to tell you like I, I gotta wear a specific tie to win your vote and all that stuff, and then everyone likes him because he's being honest. A politician that's honest. Hmm. Okay. Wonder how well that would age. Yeah. <laughs> Um, cinematography is once again Peter Andrews, which if you were not listening to our last episode, that is Steven Soderbergh's uh, alter, I'll say alter, alter ego. ego. <laughs> uh, one of two alter egos he has. Um, and then the music is again by David Holmes. Uh, this movie comes out December 10th, 2004. It has a $110 million budget. In the U.S. it makes 125 and worldwide it makes 362.9. So basically 363. Uh, it's a big hit. I I did not know this because when you know when you grow up and you're a kid and you know we didn't have the most access to to the internet until we were like in high school. Uh, y- you wouldn't know if if I are you wondering if that's no oh, okay okay uh, there was just a car that pulled up uh, outside folks but I'm not gonna let you in on the joke but I'm not gonna edit this out either. So um, it wasn't as easy to know what critics thought. Was yeah, you, were a kid you, you and only you knew didn't really have the internet and you didn't read the paper. Or or you watch like uh, Ebert or, Roper, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, so you you'd see some stuff, you'd know some stuff, but you wouldn't necessarily know how well a movie's doing critically as yep. as easily. And and thank goodness we didn't have Rotten Tomatoes back then. Uh, we're still cursed with that today, but uh, that's okay. Um, I think we had that around high school. Yeah, I think we did too. I never got into Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't like it. And I never will. They're too rotten. They smell. Well, it's just, it seemed like there was a period there where they're like, this movie got 100% on Rotten Tomato. And now it's like every movie like mm-hmm. starts at 100% or something. Mm-hmm. And then it'll get, I don't know. I don't get how it works. I don't like it. And it. But then you have people review bombing and like, that's where they do it. Yeah. That's a place where it happens, you know? And even, even like 
I, the IMDb score is something that I I take with a grain of salt. It's really the meta score that I uh-huh. I look at in conjunction with the IMDb score because the IMDb score ha- can have the same problem where you're like like a movie can just high. be voted too high or voted too low, you know, unfairly, you know, whatever. But um, anyway, so. I was surprised to learn at some point in my life that this movie is not like a beloved movie. People love the first one. I I think people love the third one, but this one is seen as like convoluted. Um, It kind of like, I think people, I I just saw one review where someone was saying how they didn't like how they go through like this whole elaborate thing. And then you go back and it's just a quick little backpack switch. Yeah. Um, How has it, was that being done though? I no, I, I mean, I think this is a classic case of like expectation versus reality. Reality, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like that actually does not deter the quality of this movie at all, though. That was what you specifically selfishly wanted the movie to be, and they turned it on their head, and they did not give you Ocean's Eleven the second time. Yeah, they gave you Ocean's Twelve, which was a different movie that had that they did something different with it, mm-hmm. and that's why I like this movie so much, mm-hmm. and probably why Soderbergh. It, uh, according to the Wikipedia, and I didn't double check this, this is his favorite. It is? Of his Apparently. movies? Or of, of, the of the Oceans movies. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I, I, and even watching it again last night, I was like, so people, there are people out there that don't like this? Yeah. What's, what's going on? And I think some people think, like, the movie's a little too cutesy. I think this one's funnier than the first one. It and is the first one's funnier. really funny. But, but I, I think there's some people that think it's a little too cutesy and, like, like wink wink at the audience but i feel like that's the vibe of these movies yeah and then there's the whole julia roberts of it all which i think is brilliant uh but i think there's some people that maybe are the same people that you know talk about plot holes on the internet to think that that doesn't work yeah you know it's fun these movies are supposed to be fun and also incredibly well made so i don't know i don't know what to say if someone doesn't like oceans 12 come on yeah uh, so anyway, that's kind of all I got on this movie. Really? Though. That's it? Yeah. I wow, I, I think surprising. they just like made the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just a good experience. No went well. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. Why don't you hit me with uh, some of the new actors? So returning. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Some of the new actors returning is what I said. <laughs> so go ahead. So leading up to this movie, she was in High Fidelity in 2000, as well as Traffic. Okay. And then in 2002... She's in Chicago, Sinbad, The Legend of the Seven Seas. And then, oh, the ter- and then in 2004, The Terminal, Ocean's 12, and The Legend of Zorro. Wow, big year. And No Reservations, and that is with um, Aaron Eckert, and you've got to see the poster. Yeah, I'm, I remember, yep, yep. <laughs> What's the tagline to that movie? Life isn't always made to order. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, uh, it's about cooks folks but you'd think they could come up with something with well, a it's little called no reservations i think people can maybe figure it out yeah it could be a little little more sizzle in that order yeah i said sizzle which is also sorry I'm, I'm looking at who's in the movie anyway so that's what she is in leading up to this yeah um you know what's funny is you only mentioned i think one movie that i've seen yeah. All the, oh no, I've seen Legend of Zorro too. I've seen Legend of Zorro and the Terminal. I remember liking that as a kid, but I don't remember anything about the movie. Yeah, are there two or just one of those? I don't know. I'll look it up because that that could be a fun Patreon series. 
So who else do I need to talk about? Oh, I guess the guy. Um, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Jared Harris makes a fun cameo. Yeah, well, probably not a cameo. You just... don't think so? At that time in his career, wasn't he wasn't big enough to be a cameo I guy? I don't think so. Okay, Jared Harris is in, the mo- is in this movie. That was fun. Two Mask of Zorro movies. Okay. And I guess I haven't seen Legend. I've seen The Mask of Zorro, not The Legend. Legend is the sequel. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, Robbie Coltrane's in this, who is Hagrid, but we've covered him. Duh. And then Vincent Castle plays Francois Toulour. Yeah, tell me about him. Um, he is he is... French? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Let me see. Yeah, okay, so he's in Black Swan. That's the other thing I yes. remember him from. He's he... real creepy in that movie. He's like the creepy guy, yeah. right? He looks like someone who's like a he looks french like a 300th generation parisian specifically (laughs) like like he is like french 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 yeah he's always really good um what what else is he in though because i think a lot of french stuff than that but i'm like mostly only seeing french stuff really maybe it's just those two and And he's in westworld it looks like which neither of us have seen um but yeah. Oh, he's in Jason Bourne. Oh yeah, he was in that. The twenty sixteen one. I'm so curious to rewatch that movie. Oh, I've never seen that. I've never yeah, I've definitely never seen that. I didn't know they made another one with Matt Damon. I'm sure you knew, but you forgot. Because I don't care. Yeah. Um because remember they they tried the Bourne legacy and then Matt Damon was like I would never oh, do this another is one. After the Jeremy Renner one. Yeah, he's like, I'd never do another one unless Paul Greengrass, the director of uh, Ultimatum and Supremacy. I'd only do it if he wanted to do it. And then he was like, yeah, let's do it. Wow. Years later. And I remember okay. actually really liking it, but the, crit- the, the critical, it's very, very mixed. Okay. And I feel like my dad and I were just kind of caught up in like, we're seeing Matt Damon as Jason Bourne again. Like, I think we were just excited to be there. And I do feel like if I rewatched it, I it wouldn't be very good. Mm. But I do think there's a sequence in it that's pretty cool. Okay. There's like a car chase, if I remember, and it's it's like an indestructible like SWAT vehicle, and it's just plowing through cars on the Las Vegas Strip, and it was just kind of kind of cool. I'll take your word for it. Alicia Vikander's in that movie. Yeah. Go ahead. Cherry Jones plays Cherry Molly Star. Jones. That's her name. How I do don't I think not I remember ever her name? knew that that was her. I don't think I've ever seen this person's name before. Um, she is in Signs. Yes. Uh, the she's, Village. I mean, she's Madam President in 24. Come on. Yes. The Perfect Storm. Succession. Ah. Uh-huh. Poker Face. And other stuff. She's oh, in a lot. Yeah, she was in Poker Face. Oh, she was good in Poker Face. Guys, if you're not watching Poker Face, I don't know what you're doing. It's it just get your free uh, NBC trial or Peacock and and watch Poker Face. It's so good. And then Albert Finney plays Gaspar Lamarck. Albert Finney, that's his name. Yes, he's in Big Fish. He is Big Fish. Um, <laughs> he is the titular Big Fish. He is in Aaron Brockovich, Murder on the Orient Express, the nineteen seventy four one. Scrooge. Oh, he is Scrooge in the movie Scrooge. I've never seen this one. I've never. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, you got Alec Guinness in that one. Ah, can He's you Jacob Marley's ghost? Okay, can you find out who he is in the Bourne movies? Would that be Ugh. accessible? Doctor Albert Hirsch. Okay, and and which movie? Oh, Andy's in Skyfall. 
I'm looking at the Born Legacy and the Born Ultimatum. Okay. All right. I think he runs a uh, uh, Blackbriar. I think. I think we got to do Born this year, don't you think? I don't care. So <laughs> if you want to, we can. I just don't care about this. I I I, I know all I, I from what I've seen of them, and I think I've seen the there's three. I, I mean, there's three, three until proper, they until they yeah. made the other ones. I remember I had seen the first one probably mostly on TV. Uh-huh. And then when we went on our senior class trip in high school, <laughs> you brought the Ultimatum movies and we watched them on the bus. Yeah. The first, the second the one. First one. The we first one. So we watched the first one. That might have been the first time I've seen it from beginning to end. And we watched it on the way to well, Disneyland for our senior trip. Yeah. So uh, we watched it. And then I remember <laughs> you, me, and Taylor Brown, st- like we le- stayed in California for the week while yeah. everyone went back home. And everyone was begging you to keep, to like leave the Bourne movies and you wouldn't. Yeah. So that they could watch the rest. And yeah, you didn't do that. And I, 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 packed, I remember I packed like 10 movies. So that we would just be prepared. So, because I remember I had The Shining. I think I had. Oh yeah, we watched The Shining on that trip. Uh, I might have. No, I didn't have The Departed yet. But I. Uh, the Departed. Yeah, I may. I maybe brought the Oceans movies too. You know. That's so funny. Yeah, and I think I've seen the other two. I think. Uh, but I just have ab- not an ounce of nostalgia for these stupid movies. And I know that they're not stupid. No, they're good. It's just political just intrigue is hard for me to get into. Yeah. But I know whenever we cover them, I know I'll like at least the first one potentially the first three and they'll be great but as soon as they're done i'll have no no this is no need to watch them again it's one of the more fascinating movie series because it i think across the board if we're just counting the first three i think across the board fans of it would say the first one is good the second one is way better, and the third one is better than all. Really, that's interesting. Which is just unusual yeah. with a trilogy that that it they it's get a great better. premise. Oh yeah, it's it's a killer, but uh, yeah, I just don't. I just they're don't good. Have they're good for it. I've also just been feeling like also I just them. know that those movies. It's it's the time of action where it's cut, 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 cut. Well, it's defined that. That's what you I have know, to remember. I know that's it is something I need to keep in mind. Yeah, but that is you also give it grace it because. Much like Christopher Nolan, like with the booms, yeah, with him and Hans Zimmer, it's like, well, when you saw that in Inception, it was awesome, and then when you saw a hundred movies afterward, all with the booms and the brass, it was like, okay, we get it. I don't want to hear this ever yeah. again. Yeah, and that's how the Bourne movies are. Where it was so exciting when that came out yeah. in that way. Yeah, and then you have Liam Neeson jumping over a fence and taking three, and it takes like fourteen shots to get him over the fence. Mm-hmm. That's real. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he was getting up there. Yeah, but jumping over a fence? Come on. <laughs> just get a step, man. It's just a little fence, too. Uh, no, it was I've, a big I've, one. I, yeah. I don't think I've seen Taken I've movies. just seen that Wait, shot. Are we going to cover those? We probably should. Yeah. I I mean, the first one I remember, it was great from yeah. my memory. It was great. It was a, you know, it took the world by storm. It Taken. really did. Yeah, we were. It really put, did it bring, it, it brought him Jordan, into a new renaissance. We were all taken. Yeah. Uh, It it did. It, it brought it, in. It, did it make him an action star? It did, and at and that age. Here's the here's the thing, though. It's one of those things. It's like, it's like, you know, ne- be be. Uh, what is it like? Be careful what you wish for, because you might get it. Because yeah. it's like he became an action star, and now he puts out like two of those movies a year, and he's yeah. like, he's such a great actor, and he doesn't use I it anymore. I always think of Community when Jeff finds out that Abed and Troy have been using his Netflix account, and Jeff says, "Is that why my rating of the gray keeps changing?" And Abed <laughs> says. 
yes, you're put you're rating it too high. And Jeff says, but I like Neon Leeson. And Abed says, then send him a message about the roles he chooses. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Though I will defend The Grey. The Grey's a good movie. Really? Yeah, it's a great movie. It's just um it was a movie that famously was marketed incorrectly. And yeah. that that messed up everybody's expectation of mm. the movie. But that that's a very good movie. Is it just more of a survivalist thing than some like big Have you not seen thing? it? No. No. Oh, okay. Well, without spoiling it, basically the trailers promised where the movie ends. Oh. oh so what? so the trailer like like for example, like let's just say Rocky, all the trailers were hit was him in the final ring and nothing else. And then you watch the movie and the movie ended as he walked up to like the final ring. And it was maybe like about like survival, you know. I, I it's hard to not yeah, give yeah, away yeah, the yeah. ending of the movie. Yeah. But but the when when I wasn't familiar with the trailers and I just saw the movie, I was like, that's a cool ending to a movie. You okay. just have to kind of think about it, you know. Okay. Anyway, Ocean's Twelve. <laughs> Is that all of our uh, characters? Yeah. Do we want to get into the plot of this movie? We might as well until this baby wakes up. Okay. All right. So. Um, well, while we're waiting for her to wake up, let me just tell you something fun you can do is you can go to this website. I don't know if you've heard of it, folks. It's called patreon.com slash Micah McCaw. There's a link to it in the show notes. And here's what's exciting about it. This year on Patreon, we are covering movies one a month that, uh, have just two entries and one of them is a legacy sequel. So this month, we're kicking it all off with what I would claim is maybe the modern legacy sequel. Uh, and we're Why doing... are you wasting precious nap time unplugging this? Because we got to get them to sign up for only $3. But we're doing Tron this month on Patreon. So, yeah. Yeah. Now we'll get into the plot of the movie. So uh, the movie kicks off, and uh, we are in Rome. It's three and a half years ago. And we see Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. tracking shot one shot as it's going in and out of this apartment mm-hmm. and he's with Catherine zeta jones and the chemistry on these two guys get out of here isabel yes isabel um and you find out and that she had a big break in the case today you find out she's a detective uh-huh. and they found they got a, a boot print Yes. And the left heel is really worn. And then we see Brad look at his left heel and it's pretty worn. Yeah. Then he hides the boot and then he goes into the bathroom and she continues to talk about the case. And she said, we also found a hair pretty soon after we test it. We're going to know what kind of conditioner he uses. If he has dandruff, we're going to know everything about him based on this hair and the reaction that Brad gives. We rewound it because it was just like, it's just movie star stuff. And that was me. Yeah. Uh, chef's kiss on his reaction and then he starts the shower and he's like that's great i'm gonna have a shower and then i'll come to bed he jumps out the window and it and it pauses on like a freeze frame Uh of him jumping out the window Uh uh-huh now here's what i want to say right off the bat and something i really noticed this time around is that oftentimes movies in sequels you know they go international or whatever and uh and then oftentimes, movies, when they go international, they still look the same, basically. Um, sometimes they don't showcase them. Like, for example, the Mission Impossible movies really showcase the locations. John Wick is very good at that as well. Um, what I thought was interesting is Soderbergh really was like a student of European shooting. 
because all of the scenes that are Catherine Zeta-Jones and Brad Pitt are all shot a little different than the rest and have a like, oh, this looks European. Hmm. Like just the the way that the camera moves and the way it was set up and the way it's lit and stuff. It just felt like that's like European cinema. And then like the rest of the movie feels a little more American, except for the locations. Interesting. That's how I felt okay. watching it this time around. And uh, it's just cool. Yeah. It's so great. There's a lot of um, reds, bright reds, and stuff like that. And there's those in the other movies as well. No, but this is a like it's romantic. Yeah, for sure. It just felt it felt like felt like you know if I'm watching a French movie at those scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I loved that. And then we go to three weeks ago. Yes. Um, and we are where we are in uh, New Haven, Connecticut. Yes, with Danny Ocean and Tess Ocean. Yes. And um, so it's their second, third anniversary. Yeah. And he's going to the jewelry store to pick her up a present. Yes. Um, while she's at home, they're, they got a house and they're, looks like they're painting it. And they're on the phone. They're being cute with each other. And then she sees a car roll up. In the same shot in the background. Yeah. yeah. Come on. And man, the, just the outfits they put Andy Garcia in, I can't get enough. I know. I love Who it. Who is the costume designer? Because I want to see more of those things in movies. It is yeah. It is just quite simply beautiful outfits that he's wearing. Yeah. I said his outfits were a snack while I was watching this movie. Um, <laughs> but he... I'm going to look up the costume designer so we can shout them out. Yeah. So they... I get. I mean, they, he doesn't... Does he track them down? Well, I guess, yeah, he's, he's going under an alias. He's going under it's, Miguel Diaz. Yeah. So I guess he does track him down. Yeah, because the Night Fox gives uh, turns them all yeah, in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right. The costume designer is Malena Cananero. Beautiful job. Yeah. Truly. So yeah, he tracks them down. He talks oh, to she Tess. she did the Grand Budapest Hotel and Life Aquatic and Asteroid City and French Dispatch. Uh, was Anderson. So she's very good at costumes. Yeah. Jeez, that's awesome. <laughs> and Marie Antoinette. Okay. Okay, very sorry. Very cool. That's yeah. very cool. Um, but yeah, he tells Tess that Danny and crew have uh, two weeks to pay him back his full amount that they stole from him plus interest. Yeah. Which is a crazy amount percentage of interest. Yeah, they need to get like a, you know... 190 million or something like that. Yeah. Maybe it's more than that. It was but... like almost $200 million. Okay. Um, great plot for a movie. Oh yeah. I love this. And I, and I, then, so then that happens with her. He has a conversation with her and oh, he's got a cane too. Come on. Yeah. The sunglasses. I am. I'm really smitten. The by. Sun... <laughs> like I wish I could, I, I know I could not pull off the sunglasses. You can't, and I'm just going to tell you that right now. And I couldn't either. No, I think you could maybe do it. Really? I think you maybe could. Maybe I I, I absolutely could not. I wish I could though, because boy, is it cool. Yeah. I could only do it if I had a song to hit number one ever. <laughs> then I could wear those sunglasses. I don't know. <laughs> then it would become a little douchey, maybe. <laughs> um, but then he goes around to everyone on yeah. Danny's team. Can we talk about each one? Because yeah. they're all funny. So we start with the brothers. The brothers in Provo. Yeah. Uh, and it is KC Affleck's like. Rehearsal dinner? Rehearsal dinner, yeah. And he's thinking everybody who's there besides his brother. Yeah. And then Benedict comes in. Yeah. Grabs them. Nice and dramatic. And he mentions, like, sorry, you're not going to make your honeymoon at Epcot Center. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, then we go to Yan, who's in a big mansion. Yeah. And what's this girl yelling to him about? Just about relationships that he's just like, it sounds like they fight a lot and okay. all this stuff. And she's just like, it's starting to get really boring. And you can see throughout his house, it's just littered with like bottles and yeah. food. It's just like trashed. And the camera just does like a 360. And by uh-huh. the time it comes back around, you're back at Yan. And then Benedict is like, come on. Yeah. And he just kind of is like, okay. <laughs> Uh, then you have one of my favorites. Well, they're all so funny, uh, except for the one I just said. That one's not very funny. But uh, then Frank is getting his nails done, and he is like leaned back, and he's just talking at, oh, the way only Bernie Mac can do, mm-hmm. just going on and on and on with no room for other people to interject at all. And then um, he says something about like, hey, that's a little rough on the hands. And he looks up and the guys are there and Benedict's there. Um, I, I saw a very funny thing on on Roger Ebert's review of this movie, which he really liked this movie. He, he was like, this movie like knows exactly what it's doing and it's just great. Um, but he said, there's certain things about it that that I really enjoy, but are like impractical, but you like the movie and it's so fun. You don't care. And he's like, for example, why would Danny not just call everybody so that they know that this is happening instead of letting him visit every single person? And he's like, but you don't care. It's just fun movie. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I know I've the never time it would take for that. him to fly to all these places. <laughs> uh, but then we have Basher who's in a music studio with Jared Harris. Like you said, and so he's working on an album or something and there's all these bleeps. Like the bleeps were actually in the song. Yeah, but then there's a phone call happening at the same time. And they're saying the F word over and over and over again and the phone call keeps cutting. It's kind of Arrested Development style. Yeah. Cutting off the the swear word, which is hilarious. And Andy Garcia is sitting at a piano and he starts playing and you just see his reflection Oh my gosh, on it's the so good. It's great. Um... Then Matt Damon, he's just in the car with him, and Matt Damon's like, just don't tell my dad. Yeah. Just you being know. a little boy. Um, Then you have, I never remember his name, but the tech guy. Yeah. He's a stand-up, and but he's he, wearing like a... A matador A matador, outfit. yeah, costume. And his seems very bad at stand-up. Yeah, he seems very bad at it. Although his joke did seem very funny. Yeah, but he, you know, because his, his character is so nervous yeah. and sweaty and stuff, like his delivery was all bad. <laughs> and then it's like, what does the matador have to do with it? <laughs> I know. Well, and then and then I got to find it. There's that line later in the movie he says that's so freaking funny. The baby is awake. Oh, okay. But yeah, he's, they're talking about something. He's talking about something with Elliot Gould, and he's like, that would work. He said, he's the modern man, disconnected, frightened, paranoid, but with good reason. It's too sad to be funny, unusable. I think I could get a good 20 minutes out of it. 20 minutes. <laughs> So then they track down Elliot Gould, and he's at a palm reading uh, place, whatever those places are called. And, uh, you know, he's like, you couldn't see this? You couldn't see this? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so that's great. Very funny. Uh, the, the shampoo back there has the lid off. Um, lotion. Lotion, lotion, excuse me. Um, and then we get caught up to Brad Pitt, who, again, has a confrontation with Topher Grace, so Rusty now owns a hotel. Yeah. And uh, th- there's a someone who's at the hotel who's, I'm assuming, won't check out. Yeah. And it's Topher. And he looks haggard. 
and his the room is completely torn apart and he's like it's this girl i'm in love with her and he he is I, just I really so love her man <laughs> melodramatic yeah it is so funny once again playing to the joke of like like he's just do, has a good handle on his uh anytime i see an actor do something that's this like um is self-effacing the right word i don't know uh it's just like oh this guy probably doesn't have that big of an ego yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like to do a performance like this, you know, where you're really making fun of your persona. Yeah, very funny. Yeah, and then Brad Pitt's car gets blown up. Is he part of that pack? Topher? No, I don't think so. Really? No, no, no. I, I, I think he's you. after them. As far, oh. yeah. I I think he'd be younger, but part of the pack. No, no. Okay. No, no, I don't. I don't think he's part of the. He wishes the the pussycat pack. Wow, very nice. Yeah, I'm trying to keep the explicit rating off of this episode, so just remove cat and you got what I'm what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Leonardo DiCaprio, baby. <laughs> Toby Maguire. And and what's the guy? I never remember his name. The guy from Inception. Yes. I can never remember his is Lucas something. Lucas Haas. Yeah. Wow. We Lu- did it. Yeah, Lucas Haas. We came together. Yeah. And we did it. Which the other guys I could understand being part of the pack. Lucas, I think he's riding their coattails in a lot of ways. <laughs> he's he's getting their slops like Frank and Sonny. <laughs> but um, yeah. So uh, then they blow up Brad Pitt's car. Um, so you know that was impressive. Yeah, that I, blow up. I'm not sure how they did that because yeah. it seems like it could have gone really wrong. Yeah, and there are just so many other cars around. Yeah, I was thinking maybe there was some sort of like green screen situation because I'm just thinking like you got to protect your actor. Yeah. But um, at the same time, it's like if you like it can't be green screen because it's steady cam. Yeah. Like but it can't for that reason. I don't think it would look as smooth as it did. Oh. Although, you know what? We do have some digital effects. I wonder if they have the the car like on a wire rig to system. flip over. And it blows up, flips over, yeah. And then they just remove yeah, yeah, the yeah. wires in digital, yeah. Because there were a couple things on the commentary of the last episode where they were there were some digital touch ups to things hmm. he was talking about. So um, it was around, and of course, there's lots of lasers in this. So there's digital, baby. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, then that happens, and then then they all are back together and they discuss what they have to do. Yeah, and they just they figure out how much money they owe. And then they all go over with how much money would you owe or how much money have you spent yeah. of your take and everyone owes something. The only person who's only spent like a million dollars was. Well, was the tech guy, the stand-up comedian, he only spent a million and he's like, I've been living, <laughs> living with, with my, my mom. Parents. <laughs> but then Elliot Gould is like, I can, I can pay it all back. Like I have the money. I thought he could just cover one person. No, I think he said, Oh no, for himself. Like he could pay his. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he said something like, I, I can tell the future. So I, it's like he's been going to Palm Readers and investing, I think, is like the idea. <laughs> That's, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And then I, I really like Carl Reiner. His thing is he's like, you know what? I'm old, and I want my last check that I ever write to bounce. And he's like, yeah, it's selfish, but you know what? That's it for me. And he just leaves. And then that, I think that's he's when like, I'm out. Elliot Gould is like, I can make up his yeah. portion. Yeah. But they decide the only way they're going to get this money, anything like it, is they got to do another job. And it's right. like, oh, my gosh, we have a movie here. Guys. Right. And, and here's here's something I love. Uh, just I just got to point out. It's just Elliot Gould. Everything he says is has a funny 
not a funny, it's just like an interesting cadence uh-huh. that I really love. And so he says, um, he says something like, well, we, we would owe about 120 million, but that's if he gives us prime plus one on the, on the interest, which I doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Uh, so they just, yeah. they find out that, or they, they figure out that there's a job in Amsterdam or yeah. they can find a job in Amsterdam. Yep. And that's where they need to go. And then Bernie gets very like crap Amsterdam. Yeah. To now which... can I, Oh, sorry. Nope. That's good. Go ahead. Um, Bernie says crap Amsterdam. You remember the look on his face where he's like, Oh we, yeah. We there. Oh yeah. Cause he, Cause he knows, knows about all of the rest Catherine of stuff. Zeta. Yeah. Um, so here's my, you plug your ears, Jordan. Cause here's the, here's the movie about movies take, Ugh, okay. uh, a kind of a fun thing about this movie that that hit me for the first time on this viewing is that you could read it as a movie about them trying to make a sequel because they're wow, trying really <laughs> i this is just for a couple of people out there i know you're over these takes but i it's fun uh because they have to do the heist and i thought of it when they do this first heist and nothing goes well where it's like oh that's like a draft that didn't work and then it's like they did another draft that didn't work. And then, Sorry. you know. Yeah. yeah, 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 you got it. You know. And and even even I like the idea of like, they're like, hey, not only do we have to get the $97 million back, we have to do interest because when people go to see a sequel, they want it to be better than the original, which is what our podcast is about. Moving on. Okay. I just had you to do it. it. I had to do it. And I, I warned you. I told you to plug your ears. Um, so when they're on the plane there, Linus... Uh, he talks to Matt, uh, uh, Matt Damon, Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Hey, I'm kind of wondering if I could get more of a central role this time. And so he's just asking if he can get a, nope, what's, don't come to our house. What's this going on? We got a swan truck coming up to our house. I think, uh, are we going to get some free ice cream perhaps? He's not coming to our house. Oh, he's not. Where's he going? I don't know. Someone else's house. Okay, good. Cause we were going to have to stop before the doorbell cause she's asleep. Whew. Yeah, he comes up to Rusty and says, I want a more integral role this time around. I think I'm ready for it. Yeah. And Brad's like, I don't know. I, I don't know if you are ready for it. I'd have to talk to Clooney. Yeah. And he's like, no, really, I, I think I can do it. He's like, do you think you can do it? And he kind of hesitates and he's like, so you don't think you can? It's it's just a great, it's a great repartee. And, and then he's like, I'll talk to, I'll talk to, I'll talk to Danny yeah, and, yeah. and we'll, we'll figure it out. And, and Linus is so excited. He's like, I almost didn't come over here. And Rusty <laughs> says, yeah, and then I'd still be sleeping. <laughs> it's, it's great. Just so, I mean, have have Matt Damon and Brad Pitt been in any other movies together? Not that I know of. Because it, it feels like it's just sitting there. Like, somebody needs to make a movie with these three actors again. Like, sure. being fun, that's not necessarily an Oceans movie. I'd love to see them in many different contexts. Okay. Make them the new Rat Pack. You know what I'm saying? This reminded me that, that sometime soon, because I know our what we want to watch is building up, has been building up, but we yeah. got to watch Burn After Reading again, because that's Clooney oh, yeah. and Brad, Oh, too. that is Clooney and Brad, yeah. And they're, it's so, they're so funny in that movie. Although they don't really cross paths in that movie, except they, for one scene. Except for one scene, <laughs> but they're both so funny separately in that movie. So scrub ahead if you have not seen Burn After Reading. Scrub ahead like one minute, I would say. Uh... It, it that that movie has one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in a movie because when Brad Pitt's in the closet and, and George turned, Clooney and he, his face and he smiles up at him 
And George Clooney shoots him in the face. And he broke, it's just so funny that Brad broke into his house. Yeah. And he's hiding because he has intruded. And he's just going to be like, I think I can talk my way out of this. And there's yeah. not even a And it's slight so chance. shocking that he gets shot right oh, there. So funny. I think I laughed until the credits roll. Oh, yeah. And I, there's like 20 more minutes in that, that movie. That might be a movie that I watched like the day, the next day. Yeah. <laughs> like, like really close after I saw it the first time because I thought it was so good. So funny. Yeah. So, so, so funny. Um, I'm ready for a new Coen Brothers movie. Me too. But we got to get through Ethan Coen making his own movie that's what? coming out next year. Uh, Runaway Dolls or oh. Dollface Dolls or something yeah, like that. Whatever that is. And it, it doesn't look super good, but I trust him. I trust did him. Did Joel do Macbeth? And then Joel did Macbeth. So oh, it's like they man. had to both make their own movies. If you like Shakespeare renditions and you haven't seen that yet, yeah. Gosh. The even sets, if you don't like Shakespeare. Even if you don't, it's great. But the sets are incredible, and, and, as well as everything else. Yeah. But I was really taken aback by how awesome the sets were in that. Yeah. But it, it seems like we're just gearing up for, like, they did their two separate movies that, for some reason, they didn't want to make together, which I'm curious about. Mm -hmm. And then I don't think that they are, like, in a fight or anything. So it's like, okay, next movie, you know, get Jeff Bridges back, you know, do something. I don't know. Yep. I'll, so they're in Amsterdam. Yeah. yeah. I like the hotel set. Very I cool. I think it's very cool. It, it's very interesting because it is such low ceiling. Yeah. Just, I feel like that must have been a challenge. Yeah. To shoot. Um, a fun a fun thing, Brad is kind of like pining after Catherine, and he's like seeing her out and about. And there's a song that plays, this guitar song. It's like a classical song. And I tried to learn that song, and it is... Oh, you did? So complicated. Seems hard. It is so hard to play, especially because I'm not super proficient. Is that and, like Spanish guitar? Um, I don't know if it's a Spanish song or not. Okay. I would think it maybe is French. Okay. Um, but it might be Spanish. You you might be right. Um, but holy cow, it's such a hard song to play, and uh, I'm not super proficient at classical guitar. So, classical I, guitar. That's yeah. More what I was. I kind of gave it up pretty quick. Yeah. But it's a cool you're song. Too, too much of a rock star. Yeah, you know me. Um, same old G. Anyway, they uh, need to meet with... Hagrid. Yeah, but what's the character's name? Um, Something with an M. Yeah. They meet with M from James, James Bond. Bond. <laughs> um, and, Judy Dench. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. So they, they're, they meet with the guy. Matt Damon's there. He's very green, but he's there. They're talking. You can't understand a word yeah, they're saying. Well, yeah. before that, actually, he's telling them a story that ends in a punchline. And the, oh my gosh. It, Matt Damon, like, shaking his head and being like, oh, I get it. And then and then putting his thumb out and like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he has no so idea what's good. going on. And I just love the way that Brad and George laugh. I love that Brad laugh. It sounds oh, so fake. Yeah. It, it reminds me of the, like, in Fight Club. I, I, I just, does he do it? When does he do it in Fight Club? I don't Club, remember, I mean. but he does it. But yeah. it, it feels, yeah, it's just so funny. It makes me laugh so hard. I requested that we rewound that oh, so yeah. I can watch that again. Um, but then they start talking like in code. It's so funny. And when, Matt Damon can't keep up. And they're, and, he, and they're, they're just saying stuff like, like, what is it George Clooney says? He's like, ah, here's one. If all of the animals in the world gave birth near the equator, then there would be Saturday would be before Wednesday. Yeah. Or, you know, something like that. And then Hagrid's like, oh, oh yeah. And they're talking about yeah. the job. 
right? Oh, are or they? They're, or they're, they're about to. It's just they're talking in code to me where it's like it can just be untraceable. Like, what did you guys talk about if they were ever questioned? Oh, I never. That's I, how I took it. I thought, I thought that they were all just pranking Matt. Because later in the movie, is it his mom he's talking to? And he says something like, yeah, I couldn't keep up with that conversation. And she was like, well, yeah, they did the this thing. Oh, you're probably right. I just remember because Matt said something didn't like, you know, apparently he was offensive. They take him outside. They're yeah. like, do you know what you told him? You said something about his niece. You said his niece was a whore. Yeah. She's seven. <laughs> <laughs> and just like that Brad starts getting into it and she's confined to a bed and George is like, don't, don't, he doesn't need to know that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just the little things. But um, they tell Matt like, no, no, I got it. Okay. Um, That they were so close. Yeah. So I guess that was a joke. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then, the, and then they were the, I mean, that's what I, that's how I've always read it. Sure, is that it, it's all just kind of like formalities, and then they'll talk about the job later. So they do end up finding out about the job. Yeah, either way. So what they have to do is they have to rob from this guy who's an agoraphobic who has the first bond certificate ever issued. But the problem is he's an agoraphobic and he like lives in his house and he has this high tech security people system. with agoraphobia. Yeah. Do. And and there's this agoraphobia. hilarious scene agoraphobia. Uh, where Matt is like, am I the only one who has a problem? Every, everyone's calling him a freak and a weirdo. Yeah, and he's, and he's like, like, I don't, I don't think we should be using that word. <laughs> is that, am I the only one who doesn't want our organization to be saying stuff like this? And people are like, oh, we're an organization now. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so it's super interesting because this bond is only worth two point five million, and so everyone's yeah. like, well, this isn't even, you know, it's not even, it's it's barely anything compared They're to like, what they need. It'll buy us time. Yeah, you know, that's the hope. So then, then they basically figure out. Brad remembers a conversation he had with Catherine Zeta, where with Isabel, where uh, there was this robber Lamarck who lifted this building. He's, a, I think, he's apparently the best thief yeah, ever. The best thief all time. Mm -hmm. um, this guy could steal the pyramids if he wanted to, like David Blaine. Yeah, he stole the Statue of Liberty, right? Sure, I think so. But yeah, so this guy... Which, if I know right, it's just they just filmed... They just, like, deleted it We don't have digitally. time to talk about it. Right? They don't. Have, we don't have time to talk about it. So yeah, he lifted a building. So they're like, why don't we just do the same thing? To which I forgot to look this up, but I gotta know if this is real. Yeah. To, yeah. So they lifted the building. They did, because they need to, like, hit this certain shot, you know? Yeah. And then what's what's crazy is... So, like, you know, you're watching the movie. They have not done, like, a heist yet. And you've seen Ocean's Eleven. They're, you know, you're, like, anticipating it. You're wanting to see it happen. And then he pulls the trigger that will shoot this code thing there. And then it cuts to the day after the heist. Mm -hmm. And you're, like, you're depriving us of the heist, mm -hmm. you know, which I think is brilliant. Maybe other people are watching it and, like, what the heck, you know? Give us what we want. But, yeah, so we cut, we cut to Catherine Zeta, right? Yep. Okay, so she is at Europol, which I'm assuming is just Interpol. Um, and she's they're at some kind of conference, and she is talking about the Night Fox, which is a current thief that keeps thwarting them, and they yeah. can't catch him. And I'm assuming she's, like, trying to get more support for figuring this, like, catching this person. So um, uh, while she's giving this uh, speech about it, this dude comes in, interrupts her, and says... and whispers in her ear her reaction's great what she's very surprised so this the man this well-known man known to be a recluse has been robbed 
Yeah. How is that possible? Then we go through the crime scene. Yeah. Great. And we find out that like basically I love the flashback. Oh, the, I know. the time that they choose the flashback. Cause so she finds out like something in the wall. They painted the putty. putty. Wood putty. Yeah. Wood putty. So she figured it out and it like sends her on a flashback. Yeah. With Brad. And so then she like realizes they raised the house. They shot this thing. They used it to get the code. They must've had the code. And then they go to the safe and they're like, how come they didn't use the drill? Yeah. And also, it's just funny to note that I think even the first time you're watching the movie, you're like, this heist doesn't seem like it'd be that hard for these guys. Yeah. So, like... Like, yeah, sure, the guy's in there, but it sounds like he takes an ambient You're like, You're like, how are they going to make this that exciting? Yeah. But then doing kind of like the, you know, pulling the rug out from under you. Yeah. And then you find out that the Night Fox stole from them first. And they're, like, about to drill into the safe, and the safe just opens. And he's left his calling card for them. And yeah. says, I know what you guys were going to do, and I've already done it. Yeah. Uh, I would like to p- basically play a game. Yeah. Come and, to m- my place, and we'll talk about it. Yeah, come to Lake Cuomo, where you already live, Danny yeah. Ocean. Como. Como. Oh, I'm thinking of Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then a- another thing about both these movies, but this one a lot, there are a lot of like Spielberg oneers. Yeah. Like, I did not notice this when I was a kid, that there's there are scenes that are like a minute, minute and a half long. That that are kind of complex action, yeah, and like, like a, a lot, lot of people of in the background and stuff, yeah. And and it's just like that's crazy because there's this interrogation scene where they have Hagrid and they're interrogating him, and she walks in, and I don't think I ever realized this was one shot because the framing changes yes. so much. But you see that he's in there, and these people are grilling him, and then she's like, "What are they doing? Take them out!" And she walks down the hall. She comes in. I like to call this one an M Night Wonder, with the way the camera moves. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And then she whispers in his ear and he starts crying and immediately gives it up. And then she walks up to the camera and then that's the shot. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's so good. I mean, it, it does make sense though. When you are doing a movie like this, you're dealing with these caliber of actors. It's probably pretty easy to do oneers because you're like, yeah, yeah. I want to capture the interplay between George Clooney and Brad Pitt. Like why mm-hmm. would, why would I not want to, you to see them both bouncing off of each other? Mm-hmm. Because they're just, like, perfect, mm-hmm. you know? So, um... Did we go to Lake Como? Yeah. Or we learn a little bit about... Well, I wrote Detective shows up, but I don't know what that is. Who's the detective? I'm not sure. Her? Yeah, but uh, we already did that scene. And then, and then um, there is the scene where Matt, Matt just mentions, you ever notice Tess looks exactly like, and Rusty says, don't talk about it. Setting up... Oh, she shows up to the hotel in Amsterdam. Oh, that's right. And is like, I know you're here. Yeah. I'm on to you. Steals his phone. Steals his phone. And then they're like, we got to get the heck out of Dodge. So they uh, all dress as, there's like a soccer team or something. There. Yeah. Um, so they all dress like them, get in the bus, get out undetected. Um, Yen is in a, in a duffel bag and he gets lost. Yeah. But then they're all at a train station, and that's when, yeah, Matt Damon's like, have you ever noticed that Tess looks like? And they're like, don't talk about it. Yeah. Which reminds me of another person I know who also looks like Julia Roberts. Um, that's between you and me. Uh, yes, yeah. I know who you're talking but, about. Um, Her birthday is very soon. Yes. Uh, while recording this. Not when this comes out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you figure it out, people. <laughs> um, and then they, that's the very funny joke of people thinking that Clooney looks 50. Yeah. Which we, we, I discovered he would have been around 42 when they filmed this, so. Wow. I think he's wearing a turtleneck? 
Speaking of a night fox. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But yeah, he's wearing a turtleneck in a couple scenes. Kind of a lot. Yeah. So I think this was the linchpin movie for Jordan that she's always associated with Clooney. Um, But then they go and they meet the night fox. Francois Toulor. Yeah. Do they, they steal his paintings, get his attention. Yes. And... And then they talk, and he basically says, okay, I'm going to pay. I, or I was at a meeting with Lamarck, and, and this guy came up and talked about this heist of the Bellagio, and he said they were the greatest thieves, uh, thieves in the thieves. world. And uh, Lamarck did not correct him. Yeah. So then he says, he says, I thought I was better, but there's only one way to know for sure. We have to try and steal the same thing in the same time frame. Interesting about this person because they give a backstory on him. Yeah. He's like some born into some kind of like nobility, French yeah. or Italian, I can't remember. And so he's basically just some rich guy that is bored and has like as a hobby gotten into thievery. Yeah. Cool. I'm into it. Yeah, me too. Especially that nice curly hair. <laughs> so he yeah, he challenges them to steal this Fabergé egg. Yes. And so they're Which I think will buy their ticket out away from Benedict. He will pay. Oh, he will pay. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 He'll cut the check to him. And it's very specific that this egg is transported. Sometimes it's the decoy that's on display. Sometimes it's the real egg. You never really know when it's being transported. It's like the hardest thing in the world to steal. Yeah. So then what, what then happens for the last like act of this movie is you have them like elaborately planning and elaborately failing this heist, which we can, of course, get into the specifics, but um, it's just, it's just funny. It's just crazy. It, this is a it, kind of an insane movie in, in a lot of ways, and yeah. I like, I love that about it. I think it's, it's, a, it's a great example of a sequel because it does not replicate the first movie, mm-hmm. and it does do something pretty wildly different, mm-hmm. and. I, I guess I can kind of see why I no I don't see why people don't like it because it's still so stinking fun, um and it's well written. Mm-hmm. But is the Swan guy bringing us Hold ice on. cream? Hold on, come on, please, just give us free no. ice cream. <sighs> so they begin planning the heist. They get this like hologram of the Fabergé egg that will last for two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person who makes it calls Rusty's phone, which Isabel has, so she finds out what they're doing and where they're doing it. Yeah. So she goes to Rome. And yes. while she's there, she tries, she appeals to the Italian government or something for, like, policemen, for, for more more bodies on her team yeah. to get to arrest these people and catch them in the act. And he will not do it. Yeah. So then later on, we see that she forges his signature. See, now this is something I have never picked up on in the movie. I never caught that she forges his signature. But you see her do it. I know. I just did not catch it. Oh. Because, I mean, this movie is very convoluted. It is. It is. And so I, I just never... They, they don't draw that much attention to it. And then later in the movie, Rusty's like, you know, what's left for you over there is a forged signature. And I just I just never put it together okay. until this viewing. Okay. Um, And so that was the thing that I... This time around, I was like, "Oh, something new!" Like yeah. I, I, I get that part of it now. Yeah, never, never figured it out. Uh, she for and and when she forges a signature on the ten seventy seven, she smiles. 
Like she's doing on the ten seventy seven. That's what the form is called. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's like her, like she's self self satisfied. Yeah, like she, with her work, she gets to like break the law. Yeah, like she she's got a little bit of the thief in her. Mm-hmm. Maybe because her dad is the greatest thief to ever live. Mm-hmm. Um. So should we just jump to the day of the heist? Yes. Um. Yeah. Well, the Night Fox gives her a DVD of them stealing his paintings mm-hmm. so that when they go to the Fabergé the egg, they'll all get arrest. arrested. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which so, they accounted for, duh. So the day of, they're all in their places where they need to be to get into the museum, but no one ever makes it inside. Everyone gets arrested. Well, not everyone. Um, everyone besides Matt Damon, Scott Kahn, and... Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. That's it. Isn't everyone else gets yeah, arrested? Yeah. Um, and this around this time we cut back to Carl Reiner, who's just been sitting on his butt the whole time. Yeah. And I think you can tell he's bored. Yeah. Because his wife or lady friend is asking him, like, do you want to do this? You want to do this? Want to do this? What? Why are you moping around? Blah 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 blah. And he's just like, no, 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 no. And is like, you got to do. You just got to do something with yourself. Yeah. So. So we all have that. Part of the plan. Yeah. And then also while they're all getting arrested, uh, uh, arrested, the Night Fox is like doing all this weird gym stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you, an interesting montage. Yeah, and he's you, doing that like Brazilian dance uh, martial arts. Oh, sure. I forget what yeah. it's called. But yeah. Um, And so, uh, and you know, something that Soderbergh is very good at is the montage. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- one of the best, if not the best director at it alive. Oh, the montage. okay. He's it, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, because he's, he's I guess these movies really rely on a montage. Often, yeah. like like there's a lot of montages in these movies, and I I do think I do think in some of his other movies too. I'm I'm sure there's some montagey yeah. stuff in Informant. Um, I don't know about Kimmy, but um, there there's uh, the guy just knows how to do a montage. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, there's this movie, and and it doesn't have the best scores and it's on netflix but i'm sure netflix picked it up uh but he made it like a few years ago and it's meryl streep and gary oldman and someone else and it's like a a, a, a money laundering movie Ooh, i bet that's good so it's called the laundromat i'll watch it so i'm like yeah we should we should watch that that sounds good although yeah again it's not like a big it's not it's in the like low sixes but okay. the the little trailer i was watching i was like it doesn't seem like it's gonna be hard to watch though. Mm-hmm. Meryl Streep looks like she's having a fun time. Um, Probably got nominated for it, huh? <laughs> um. So then Matt and and Cheadle and Scott Con are like, we gotta get Tess. We gotta do a looky loo uh, with a bundle of joy. Mm-hmm. That's that's the uh, the term. And so they gotta get Tess. So they bring her over to Rome. Yep. And, and also the camera keeps like going to this bag. Yeah. For for seemingly no reason. Yeah. Um so she gets to Rome, she thinks she's there to help Danny. I yeah. mean she is, but you know like he's in jail, she's got to help him. And then they tell her like, "Okay, you got to put on this costume. Um you got to do X Y and Z." And we're still kind of like, "What's going on? I'm not really sure what's happening. Where are they going?" Yeah. And then we cut to a hotel. I I love how they reveal what they're so going to well. do. So this guy's on the phone that's like, of course, not a problem at all. We'd love to have her again. 
we'll make sure that the suite's available. Hangs up the phone, and then an, an Italian says, Julia Roberts is coming. And then you're like, huh? Yeah. They act, That's like breaking movie rules. I know. They can't do that. Um, but Ju- they do. Yeah. So she comes. So Julia Roberts is in this movie now, played by Tess. She's pregnant. Yeah. And there's paparazzi everywhere. Paparazzi yeah. everywhere, because we're in Italy. Um, and she walks in, and who notices her immediately? Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis. <laughs> who is hitting on a lady and then later on hits on another lady. He's just like, it's and, so and see, funny, this is, his persona. We've talked about cameos many times on this podcast, but this, these cameos, I, and I'm counting the Julia Roberts as a cameo, even though she is Tess, uh, they work because they provide, they, they, they play on their personas and they actually provide something to the plot. So Bruce Willis being in the scene, it's like, oh, cool, Bruce Willis. But then he there's adds a lot of tension. There's, yeah, there's a lot of tension. And then there's also this hilarious Sixth Sense joke that keeps happening. Yeah, where someone, I think Matt Damon starts it off. Yeah. Where I think, you know, he's like, I knew you were dead the whole time. It was this scene. He the, said that the first scene, scene where your wife wasn't talking to you, I knew it. I knew it then. And he but, did, but didn't change how I enjoyed the movie. It was still really good. And Bruce is like, well, I'm glad to hear that. Blah, blah, blah. And then there's like someone taking pictures and they say kind of the same thing and in the background. Says like, but it didn't affect me enjoying the movie. I still really liked it. Yeah, and then he turns to Tess and and he's like he's like uh everybody thinks they're so smart, but three hundred and seventy five million dollars at the worldwide box office makes me think different or something <laughs> like that. Which I think is it was hilarious. Six hundred seventy five. Was it that high? I think that's what he said. Oh man. But that's insane. So yeah, he is like following them into her suite and everything because yeah. they're best friends. Um, so they can't they can't get him away. And he man, he is just being so funny, and he's bringing up personal things that no one should know. Yeah, other than Julia Roberts, calls someone to ask about this thing, and she gets on the phone and she talks to Julia Roberts. <laughs> so good, and that's when Carl Reiner comes in and he's like, "I'm her doctor, European doctor." Yeah, because uh, he knows who her doctor is. Yeah, that's how close they are. But he's like, I, I'm here for right now, her doctor, and we. Yeah. She needs to rest or whatever. When and again, just to it can't be overstated that I think I think Bruce Willis is the only reason that this twist in the movie even works. I agree. Because if it if she just showed up and she was Julia Roberts, and there's you know everyone already tension, bought it. You can see everyone's already buying it. Yeah, it it would be like oh that's a cute joke, but the fact that you have Bruce Willis in it, it does make this like earth shattering movie breaking rule scene actually work. So here's a question I have. Yeah. Because this has all been already planned, including the arrest. Yeah, I was so trying to figure Damon this out too. So when Damon is figuring it out with Cheadle uh-huh. and Khan, why do they need to figure it out? So okay, so they already have the egg. And they know that everyone's going to get arrested. Don't you think they would have already had this planned? Oh, you know what? Actually, I think at one point we saw that uh, Francois dude Uh had camera footage of that warehouse that they were meeting in. Oh, did he? I think he knew where they like where they were planning everything. Really? I think so. Oh, I don't do not remember that. Someone can text Micah and tell him for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Don't text me. <laughs> I, wonder, I, I was just thinking, I was wondering if, like, they go, okay, you want a central role on this, role in this. You have to figure this out when the time comes? Yeah, figure but it out when the time comes. it seems to spur of the moment. Well, but but also, like, what if, what if, I'm just positing, maybe you're, if you're right, then that's the answer. Uh, although they have to convince Tess. I, I'm wondering if 
you know, they go there, and if if he doesn't look like he tries to get away, maybe he'd be like the night fox would be suspicious that he he doesn't try to get away when the police start arresting Who? people. Because because maybe the plan Who is like try to get away. Uh, Linus. Okay. Well, no, they have to. I think they have to make an attempt at the egg. I don't know. They just all have to get arrested. So maybe maybe at a certain point, it's like, well, I didn't get arrested the first time. Let's make another plan so that we can all get arrested. Because that's what needs to happen. Hmm. I have to think about it. Yeah. But. I mean, I think it works. I think there's a, as, as Stanley would call it, there's a no prize in there for someone that can explain why it works. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it's fine. Yeah. It's not some dumb. No, I do hole. think that there was surveillance footage. Therefore they were just acting for him. Yeah. If that's true. Yeah. Um, okay. But they, as Julia Roberts goes to this museum, Bruce is still following them. Yeah. Um, and she has like a private viewing of the egg. Um, and you're like, okay, I guess this is when they steal the egg. Yeah. And they don't, but you do see that the hologram flickers. They, the they make the switch, but and, then, but then they get captured. Who? They they steal the egg, but they don't get out the door. Oh, okay. I think I just forgot this. Because then, because then Catherine moment. Zeta is like pause it. She oh. sees the switch. Okay. On the on the camera. Yeah. And then she's like, "Stop them!" And yeah, she yeah, walks yeah. in. That's right. And then she's like, "Can you sign this for me to Julia?" And Tess is like, "Yeah." And then Bruce hits on Isabel. And, and she's like, "Oh, I thought you were a left hand." And she's like, "Oh yeah." And then and then Carl Reiner says, "Uh." Uh, some women can be like ambidextrous when they're pregnant. <laughs> anyway, though, they get arrested. Yeah. Um, they're all sitting in Italian jail. Yeah. Um, and then the cavalry shows up. Yeah. Cherry Jones. Cherry Jones. Um, she gets Catherine Zita tells her that she's got to go back to Amsterdam because her forgery and whatnot. She, she's been a little too cavalier about her investigation. So she's wanted back in Amsterdam. Also, two quick things. Uh, just about the movie in general. If you're, it, we we also kind of harp on sometimes it's annoying uh, putting titles of places that people go in movies, but if you do it with style, it's cool. Remember the Amsterdam when it says Amsterdam? Oh yeah, it's awesome. And it shows each shot How has a letter. Um, I don't remember, but I remember it was it had some style. Yeah. And then the other thing, this movie has an interesting plane landing shot. Yeah. Which usually it's just like a basically like a Pond Five like stock footage thing. Yeah. But it's like a weird vertical angle mm-hmm. and it looks cool. So mm-hmm. those are two things that are easy to overlook mm-hmm. that Soderbergh does not. But yep. yeah, she comes in and she picks Linus to be the first person she's going to question and try to get get him to do a deal Yeah, to give up everyone else. And um, she does mention irregularities in paperwork. So I think that also gets Catherine to back off. That's what I said. Oh, you did say that? Yep. Okay. She said she's one back in Amsterdam. She's, yeah, anyway. I'm just still, like, I, I never, like, picked up on that paperwork <laughs> element of this movie. So she has this whole speech for Linus. Yeah. And basically is trying to convince him to admit it. And then she's about to leave and let him think about it. And he's like, no, you know what? I will talk. Yeah. They get out. Everyone is getting taken to the car, to car- separate cars. I, I do like how that's just a zo- hard zoom in on every yeah. person. Um, And then we see people in the car. Um, I think first we see Linus and his mom yeah. and the, well, Cherry Jones, which we find out in the scene is his mom. Um, so she is also a con person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And that's when we find out like he was doing so good. And she's kind of like, I know you were doing so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's kind of like being motherly and b- belittling him a little bit, which is very funny. And then um, Tess and Danny are in a car together and she's pissed. So she doesn't seem to know what's happened. Yeah. I, I don't think she was in on this whole thing. Yeah. Which I'm one. how much of that is just to protect her. Yeah. But um, she's, you know, super pissed because this was on their second, third anniversary. This all happens. Yeah. Um, but they kiss and make up. Yep. Everyone goes their separate ways. And then I know I'm probably skipping things, but Elliot yeah. Gould's in Terry Benedict's office g- g- gave him the check. Oh, no, 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 no. That's oh, okay. uh, y- y- no, you skipped the, the climax of the movie. Uh, they, oh, yeah. they go to the <laughs> night Fox house, Clooney yeah. and Roberts, um, played by Tess. <laughs> so then they say, you know, how did you do it? And then the night Fox is like, well, this is how I did it. And we get this cool sequence. Uh, it, it, you know, I think even at the it's time, cheesy. the the effects look a little bit dated, but it's cool. And it's like this crazy. It's so flamboyant, but that's the point. Yeah. Because none of this matters, what he did. When they keep just saying like, oh, and he's French. So him doing something flamboyant and crazy seems like a in-joke too. So... Um, Dahlia is just staring outside. She wants some of that swan ice cream. Uh, anyway, uh, folks, she hasn't had sugar yet. Don't worry. Um, but she wants it. Anyway, so he explains it. He gets the egg and then he says, okay, tell me, tell me I'm the best, you know? And they say, well, you're the best. You're the best. And then Clooney just goes, okay, so can you, can you write our check now? That's right. That's right. And then he's like, I don't think you understand. I stole it. And he's like, well, you didn't. And so then they find out that they spoke to Lamarck about this. Who gave him the drop on where the egg was going to be? Yeah. Okay. And so they're able to steal the egg just simply at a train by causing a fake fight and staging over it. A New York, over a Yankee and a Boston Red <laughs> yeah, Sox yeah, yeah. dispute. Yeah. Yeah. And Matt Damon just does the swipe. He has an identical bag and they just have the Fabergé egg for the enti- basically the entire like last hour of the movie. They just have the egg. Mm-hmm. And I-, I guess if your reaction to that is, wow, that's so lame, maybe movies aren't for you. <laughs> maybe you just need to find another thing. Because it's so fun. It's so fun that they tricked us too. Mm-hmm. And and we know, the thing is, we know we should be looking for a trick, but we wouldn't expect something like that. That like they stole it before the heist even oh, began. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I just think it's so clever. It totally works for me too. And uh, and so then he's like, "Crap!" And then writes the check to Terry. And Terry's like, "How can I trust? Is this thing gonna bounce or not?" And he's like, "You can trust it. If any problems are gonna happen to a casino, it will not be Danny." And then the camera pans out, and you see someone who's like spraying these bushes, and it's the <laughs> oh, night yeah, fox. Like, he's like, he turns around, he's like, "Huh?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you know that he is in the next movie, too. Do you remember that in The Night Fox? No. But I can't remember if he helps them or if he uh, is still an adversary. I hope adversary. Wait, does that mean against? Yeah. Okay. That word always sounds like they're with them. Adversary? I don't know why. No. No, it doesn't. Are you sure? Yeah, an adversary. It's it's someone who's against you. Okay. An, an opponent. Don't text Micah about this. No, I know that I one for sure. I already Googled it. Um, why would you Google? I know that I'm for joking. a fact. Okay, just, no one talked to me about it. Oh, Talia wants to say something. She's reaching up for the mic. She's moving it. <laughs> but, 
But um, that's the movie. I love it. It's it's a favorite. Um, I'm excited to watch Ocean's 13. Me too. It's been so long. Yeah. Um, I'll promise to eat almonds on the next episode, too. Do we want to announce the next series on this episode or next week's episode? We usually episode? do second to last. Okay, do you want to announce it? Wait, this isn't second to last. Oh, no, it's not, because there's there's one movie that we haven't seen. Um, We've been counting up, but eventually we're going to have to count down. <laughs> they can only get eight of them in one of these movies. Yeah. Um, How come it's only eight? I don't know. I, I would imagine that they were just hoping to have like a clean starting point that if that movie did really well, they could make like Ocean's 9, Ocean's 10, you know? Sure. That's okay. that's like from a writing perspective, I bet that. Okay. And and Ocean's 7 and below, it's like, come on, how are they going to pull this off? That It took 11 in the first movie, you know? <laughs> but 8, it's like, okay. You know? Okay. Slay, Queens. <laughs> just turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> I've never said that in my life, and I never will again. It's just for this immortal moment on our podcast. Um, so thank you for listening. Please give us a rating on Apple. Please send an episode to a friend, and please sign up for Patreon. I believe I already plugged it in this episode. You did. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week for Ocean's 13, the conclusion of the trilogy. Or has it already been pulled off? Oh, I love that. Oh. <laughs>